Good evening, Patriots. Today is Thursday evening, November 3rd year in the year 2022. East Coast has already jumped into Friday, which is always the virtue of being of reaching in the Internet where we cr- cross time and distance. It's pretty amazing. We have Carson Shoes with us, Carson Footwear with us tonight. They're awesome. By the way, if you don't, I'm serious. Like the, the best tennis shoes ever made, and they're made in America by Americans. The only one that actually makes a true running shoe other than the uh, Dingleberries over at Nike. And Nike doesn't make American shoes. And Reebok is sold out to the devil. So trust me on that one. So but Carson Footwear. Truly, truly, I, I have two pairs, and thanks to the owner at Carson Footwear, who actually, and I, I never expected this, he actually sent me a pair for Bard's Fest. Coolest guys ever. They were great company. Love them, love their products. So, not, and I'm not going to tell you they're cheap, they're not. So don't go over there and come back to me and go, they're expensive. Yeah, they're expensive. They're an American-made shoe, and they're made up, all made by hand, and they're a fantastic running shoe. So there you go, just because I love them, and I like American-made products, and I like people that have passion to try to buck the system, and he's got all of that. Keep your prayers up for that great company. They're, they're awesome. Patriots, before we begin tonight, we're going to dig into some stuff tonight that probably will... I want to dig into forgiveness, and we're going to dig in hard to this pandemic amnesty thing. But before we begin, make sure you've got a good plan for your home. And nothing really speaks of the craziness that we're in than when we start listening to the companies that are teaching their people to be afraid. If there was ever a story that best encapsulated how bad crime has become, it's the one about Starbucks providing baristas with active shooter training because our cities aren't safe anymore. And while the Supreme Court has made it easier for you to conceal carry for protection, it's your responsibility to be properly trained. That's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and you will save a ton on practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app Load the laser bullet into your firearm and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including .223, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Save 10% plus free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to iTargetPro.com right now. This is the smartest investment in your ability to safely and effectively handle your firearm. Plus, it will pay for itself in one day. That's the letter I, TargetPro.com, iTargetPro.com. Offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you want to have. So... Let me dig into this tonight a bit. I'm going to read an article to you. And this is from Zero Hedge. came out actually on Wednesday. And um, it's titled, "There will No, There Will Not Be Any Pandemic Amnesty. So it continues. Nothing is forgotten. Nothing will be forgiven. Now, The problem we have right there is forgiveness, the way people are seeing it, is they're mixing amnesty and forgiveness together. Amnesty means no accountability and and basically no punishment for crime. But most people see forgiveness as forgetting, of giving away any obligation to their justice. Not so. The other problem we have right now is that as a nation under God, nobody trusts God when it comes to forgiveness. I mean what I just said. People are like, I'm not going to forgive him. Forget it. Never be forgiven. Yet God tells us if we want forgiveness, we have to give forgiveness. Because if we're not going to give forgiveness, we're not going to receive forgiveness. So you can make that choice to not to forgive. That's everybody's choice to make. But forgiveness 
is not something that we simply, we aren't going to receive it unless we give it. Now, again, forgiveness and justice are not equal. And there's all sorts of nuances in here about this or that, but and we're going to get into a lot of them. But I want you to read this article. I want you to hear this article, and I'm going to break it down to kind of like this because I understand people's anger. I really do. Part of forgiveness is to let that part of that anger, that anxiety, hatred, whatever it is, to let that go. And you have to turn it over to heaven and the courts of heaven. And there has to be some trust in God in justice. There's essentially two types of justice we're talking about here. There is ultimately justice. Everybody will face accountability in their life as they stand before God. Nobody will escape that. The problem is that we are in a time when our court system has zero justice because it's all about who has a bigger pay, paycheck or bank account to pay off the judge, the attorney, whoever. That, that We see that. So people have lost faith in justice, but I, sadly they have lost faith in God as a result because they don't believe that God will deliver justice. And justice in God's eyes doesn't satisfy us many times because we also confuse justice with vengeance. These are tough ones here, and I'm not going to tell you this is going to be easy tonight, and I'm going to assure some people are going to get totally irritated, and that's okay. I, I'm okay with that, okay? My concern always is how we serve kingdom. And I've been working on this one. I, I've literally been on calls with people for several hours today discussing this exact thing. And I just kind of want to bring this to you because we have a very big step here. We're going to have to make, and it, and I'll even tell you for myself, it doesn't feel real good until we realize the glory of God's power. And we've touched that to understand truly what's happening before us. Okay. God does not want us pitted against each other, trying to kill each other. And there's a lot of accountability that we have to bring, but accountability has been taken out of this society. So this is part of the problem. I'm, I'm, and we're just, but let's go through this article. So nothing is forgotten. Nothing will be forgiven. On the very first day of this year, I wrote that the pandemic was over and that only the most brainwashed true believers would cling to the observed narrative that enabled it. Since then, all of it has been exposed to be falsehoods, cluelessness, and lies. Vaccines were never tested or proven to stop transmission. The fatality rate was around 0.005%. Ivermectin worked, masks don't, lockdowns did more damage than good, and the final straws of the credibility all involved of all involved the thing came out of a lab and safe and effective turned out to be sudden and unexpected, meaning death. Innumerable careers, reputations, and lives have been destroyed in order to enforce a completely debunked narrative as truth. I want to stop there for a minute because a lot of this, the arguments that are being made right now are being made to, towards preserving or the suffering of pain of being separated from a Babylonian system. So in order to appreciate what we've been through, we do have to change an optic. And it's not one that we're going to be comfortable with in many ways because there are consequential issues that have happened. There may have been loss of job. There may have been loss of reputation. There may have been even loss of life. That's very real. There is loss of financial stability. That's very real. But to give you, to just offer this as a perspective of God, which I think is very important. We can't be worshiping God through a Babylonian system. He wants to free us. And all things in the Babylonian system must collapse. The question everyone needs to be asking is what would it have taken for us to get us out of this system? And the answer is COVID. Because it's the only thing that absolutely wrecked everything that we were reliant on had become accepting and came to love. So that doesn't excuse 
actions that led to consequential pain on other people. Again, we have to keep forgiveness separated from justice and accountability. But God is very clear. I mean, if we're going to walk in, in with the Holy Spirit, we are told we must forgive in order to be forgiven. That's scriptural. And as difficult as that may be, that is a truth. And part of that is we have to release all of this angst and anxiety. And the other part of that is we have to know God well enough to realize that there is a justice that comes. But justice and vengeance don't equal the same thing. Because our firm form of justice is that I want that person to suffer as bad as me. Let me, let me give you a twist. We're going to continue with this article in a second, but I want to give you a little twist. I told you the other day I went and I, I think I told you this. I went over to some friends anyway, the other day who were having, they're having trouble with a neighbor and this particular neighbor. I'll just say it. He's an ass. There's no other way to say it. The guy is, I mean, I would literally tell you, and I think he is, I think he's just like demonically possessed. And he's gotten that way because over his life, he's had some issues that have compromised his health radically. And now he's bitter And the way he shares his bitterness is he tries to make everybody else feel his pain. And he's, he's just reckless. He likes to, he sues people for no reason. He just likes to cause problems and havoc in people's lives. So in this way of thinking where forgiveness equals vengeance, you would want to forgive him and then see him smoted down and turned into a pile of cindering ashes or see him get worse in health or maybe take the shot and and collapse over that's that's justice that type of justice is a justice of vengeance but that's not what we did and that's not what we agreed on when i went over there we prayed for forgiveness and i walked the property with them and we put up a bloodline around the property we prayed for the restoration of the property into the control of kingdom. And in and we prayed for warring angels to come down and protect the property. And here's the kicker. We prayed that their neighbor would be fully healed and restored back to full health to find the glory in the kingdom and the love in Jesus. That's justice in kingdom view. Because when that happens, if they get to that point, this is a restoration of them into the power and glory of what God intended. This is not peace at any cost, by the way, because there's a consequence of two things here. When we turn it over to kingdom and we're praying into it, number one, the property's protected. He wants to continue waging war on them. I'm, I'm not even, I'm serious. I'm not even worried about it, and neither are they. They're so feeling so good about this. They're like, okay, he can wage war on us now. We know that who's on our side. God's on our side, and that's correct. If he's going to be the fool and keep doing it, it is going to hurt because God doesn't, truth is not joyous. Truth is truth. And now he's waging war on a property that's been turned over to kingdom. But still, it's the process of the way we bring justice is we're trying to bring justice in the frame of kingdom. And we are so obsessed lately with vengeance. And it's understandable because we are, and the reason I argue this is that as Christians, which I'm still trying to figure out how exactly this little twisted thing ended up doing this, We read a book that begins in the Holy Spirit and we live a life that always begins with dirt land. So we work from the physical as we read about the stories and the miraculous in the Holy Spirit and we, it's like we don't trust in the Holy Spirit to lead us as is needed. And instead we play into the games of the occult, which are just demonic, hateful, worthless lost souls and other things that need to be cast to the lake of fire and left there to scream for the rest of their eternal life. But when we're dealing with justice as God leads, and I'm telling you this is how I've been shown 
And I mean this truly. I mean, I've had some very powerful experiences lately. And I'm not going to tell you it's easy. And I'm not going to, I mean, it's very clear on this. It's not an easy awakening for us, but I want to continue this article now. So kind of put that in context a little bit, okay? The mainstream media, big tech governments at all levels, neoliberals, glee clubs like the WEF, and the all coordinated to gaslight the entire population of the world. We were, we were facing extinction, existential annihilation, and would have to henceforth trade in our civil rights to these authorities to escape it. Stop right there. All of that is victimhood. Every bit of that sentence is victimhood because every bit of the fault was placed on people like the media, big tech, governments at all levels, neoliberals, the WEF, etc. There's no personal accountability in that statement. And let me point to what I'm getting at. Most of the people in Bard's Nation did not take the jab. Most of the people in Bard's Nation studied and worked their tail off to dig into the truth and, above all, trust in God and the strength in the beautiful immune system God gave us and stood strong in spite of the civil authorities, the big tech, the governments, the media's influence. So when people now, part of the problem is there's a bunch of people out here that are angry and that's fine, and they're trying to point the finger at it. The first issue always in this COVID thing is it wasn't forced. And people have said, well, yes, it is. It was coerced in business. Yes, but you always had a choice. And as difficult as those choices were, and they will say, well, yes, but I would have lost my job. I can give you a list of probably right off the top of my head, 20 or 30 people that made the choice to lose their jobs or walk away from their jobs to preserve their spiritual integrity and to know that they were sons and daughters of God, not slaves of a system. Let's continue. The economic damage is only now beginning to be felt in runaway inflation with central banks powerless to contain it at the risk of destroying What's left of the economy? The economy has to be destroyed because it's a Babylonian system. This article is being written from the sense again of look at what I'm losing. Look at what our economic prosperity is going. It was always a Ponzi scheme. We don't need to enumerate the litany of injustice, ridicule, and persecution. Anybody who tried to counter these absurd narratives had to endure. Lost friends, family, jobs, positions, businesses, cancellations, deplatforming, all of it. Yes, absolutely true. Those are crimes. Those are criminal acts that ultimately need to be held to account. That's different than forgiveness. So it is unsurprising now that the edifice uh, is crumbling that those who piled on to the persecutions those who feathered their nest being on the right side of history, seeing that it's all turning into dust in real time, are starting one and all to back away from their role. They were led and did follow a false god. And there is an accountability that comes from that. And that accountability, both vengeance and vengeance is the Lord's, not ours. And this is where we have to be very clear is that we are, our forgiveness does not relinquish accountability and our forgiveness is passed to heaven to trust in Father God for either justice or, or wrath. And any vengeance is God's, not ours. These are some difficult issues that we have to, we have to un unlink because if we don't we're getting caught into their narrative and their trap and their trap extends far beyond the headline that says let's declare a pandemic amnesty that in itself is a statement designed specifically to fuse off people and have them go off the rails because as i said amnesty doesn't mean forgiveness and they twist it and they go on to say we need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. So I'll just tear that down briefly. Amnesty 
is not forgiveness. Amnesty is let me go for any accountability. Sorry, that's not happening. It doesn't happen in the courts of heaven. It doesn't happen before God. It doesn't happen on the plains of earth. We are all accountable because a civil society can't function unless we are. And there is justice that must come to that. Then it says we need to forgive one another for what we did. It's not the same. We can forgive the act because we're handing it over to God because the act that sinned upon us is not something I'm going to carry my burden on. I'm not going to be upset at them because I don't want to carry that into my life. God's asked me to forgive him. I'll forgive him because I trust wholly in Father that there will be justice because that's what happens when we trust wholly in the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say we need and. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. You would have never been in the dark had you had faith in God. And that goes to every Christian that took the shot. And it goes to every single person who has told me, I accepted Jesus, but I took the shot. Good, you had no faith because you let yourself walk in the dark and you try to see by sight rather than walk by faith. So there is an absolute necessity that we get clear on some of this because this is going to create a rancer if we don't. And remember what we talked about is we have a golden opportunity right now. We're seeing it. If you listen to the interview earlier with, with Ed Dowd, I mean, the picture is being painted very clearly. And I shouldn't say we have a golden opportunity. I should say it this way. The world is being inverted all of this discussion about what was lost, to in my eyes, this is God working to go, look, I need you all to come back to me. I need you to all have be able to see me. You can decide whether you want to love me or not. That's our free will God gave us from the beginning. And yes, I'm making this narrative up, but I'm trying to give a perspective on things. So that someone doesn't say, did you have that conversation with God? Actually, not this one in particular. So anyway, <laughs> so we're clear. But as we look at the world, we can see that it's very possible that what Father God has done is to say, look, I need my children to be able to see me again. But they are so enraptured with the worship of convenience and material junk and a Babylonian system that has has them enslaved. How do I shake them awake? And part of that is evil says we're going to roll out COVID and Father says, great. And my children are awakening. Bring it. And so we see that first separation of the wheat and tares, which were those that didn't take and those that did. And those that didn't take, very much like Job, they just beat on us and beat on us. And Satan's like, look at this. I'm going to make him, they're going to end of the day, they're going to turn and worship me. And Father says, no, they're not. No, they're not. Go ahead and try. And we were put through the trials and we didn't budge. In fact, we doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down in our faith and our love of Father. So that said, let us not deviate from that massive love that we've given him and trusted in him now at a moment when suddenly the other side is starting to go, oh, wait, we did a bad thing. Okay, you sure did. You did do a bad thing. First is truth, but truth without hatred Truth is truth. And we don't carry the anxiety, the hatred, the whatever else we have. We're not going to carry that in our heart because we're giving that to Father God. So our hearts are pure with heaven. We're aligned this way as Christ would want us to be. Consider that great scene where Christ is between the accusers and the adulteress. It is such a beautiful dialogue that happens with people and stones in their hand on one hand and a woman who's going to get stoned because she's accused of being an adulteress. Christ does not hardly budge. In fact, he just kind of scribbles something in the sand and people are in the dirt and people are like, what in the heck is he doing? And then he just very level, very straight, just lays out some questions for them to each reflect on and he sends each on their own way each now being given an opportunity to reflect deeply and to make the choice of coming to God. Our role here now, as the world is starting to flip, 
there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are going to want vengeance. And if we start down that path as now taking an assuming position of leadership in the world as the COVIDians fall off to the side, sick, disabled, untrustworthy because they can't hold positions because of their potential health risks, many of those things that have already been mapped out and were mapped out in the previous show tonight. If we step into these roles and we start to proclaim ourselves as deliverers of justice with a heart of vengeance, we are now being exactly what they were to us. That's not what we need. The greatest and most humbling experience it can ever have to somebody who was as these people were is for them to one, have to face and accept accountability before Christ. And I don't mean this by an action. I mean it by truly repenting in the body of Christ, which doesn't allow us, we don't really know their heart, but we have to trust in Father God to know their heart. And then to have to face that accountability through their repentance of what they've done and then to be given the blessing of healing, not because they we're going to do this thing, well, did they deserve it? No, because they now learn the power of the kingdom that we've always known. And they now have to walk with that truth in their heart of what they did. And that is a heavy burden to carry. And that is also part of heavenly justice. I'm going to continue here. Now the name of the game is to distance oneself from the most intense and virulent outbreaks of mass formation psychosis in recorded history. Absolutely. And that alone, that statement, that truth alone put before people that have to efface it and address it and accept it because that's accountability is something that is true. Think about the people in the Holocaust they were part of whatever, a part of that process under the Nazis. We just went through this. This is just another Nazi attempt, and we had a whole bunch of people that just lockstepped with the jackboots. And I'm not going to be one that's going to be out here with a stick beating them down every time. I'll walk with the strength of a lion to know that there's nothing that they said that got me before. And the greatest thing I can do now, because they know the truth, and because they know the truth that I stood against their foolishness, is for me to be kind and loving. Because that's the power of disarmament and destruction of the hatred in their heart and the example that they will ultimately have to try to strive to be because that's the only way into kingdom. This continues. There are many who were up to their eyeballs in, all, in those who will now try to frame themselves as the voice of reason who was trying to introduce some rationality into the conversation. And so there's some posts here I'll read. This one comes from Mark Jedovic. The cryptic Bitcoin capitalist. We're into the truly nauseating phase now where every media whore, blue tart, and embellic, imbecilic expert somberly critiques the failures of COVID tyranny as they fanatically backpedal away from their own complicity. There's absolute truth to this. this is, we are going to be inundated now with arrogance and the protection of self as these people know know what they've done. Again, truth reigns. And the demand for accountability must continue. It doesn't, we don't release people from accountability. And part of that is our voice being so solid and so true without seeking vengeance, but seeking accountability and true justice. And that includes justice on earth and in heaven. But we can't be coming at it from vengeance. There has to be a process. I mentioned this before, and here's an example. And I'm not saying this is what is going to happen. But if you were a doctor, you were injecting people, it would seem very appropriate to me 
that part of your accountability would be to work in the morgues to witness and see those sorts of things that your consequence was creating, your action created. This is not easy. But I'm telling you, if we this is one of the greatest traps of Satan that could ever be laid. Because it's the idea, it's the same as a blood rift. It's why they had the Native the American Indian Wars. Because what they did is they pitted two civilizations against each other that had an opportunity to bridge peace. We saw that with the pilgrims. And what did they do? They created such blood rifts that there's almost a permanent distrust between those. And we end up with nations within nations, homelands within nations. It's insanity. And I've told you, I have, I met with the vice president of the Navajo. I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to be clear. I'm not like some native expert here, but I can tell you that there's a will to bridge and there's a long climb to do it, but we can do it with our belief and faith in forgiveness and a justice that comes only from heaven. But as part of that conversation that I had with the vice president of the Navajo, it was a very interesting and enlightening conversation that he shared with me that he had had with God. And it was this, and I don't think he'll mind that I share it because I think it's a very a big learning lesson. As he said, as he said, I sat there one day and I was talking, praying to God about having compensation for the suffering that we did on our trail and our march that they put us through was something like 430 miles, 32 miles. He said, I then was shown that we too, at an earlier point in our existence, had slaves and did similar horrors to other tribes. See, that's, that's the core of it. I'm going to tell you, we as a nation will either rise to the occasion or fall suddenly. And I truly believe that as crazy as this is, I think God just used Emily Oster, who is the amnesty pandemic writer for Atlantic, to drop literally a biblical nuclear bomb on the entire world because all of a sudden, globally, as we had to all discuss masks and injections and where our heart stood with God Suddenly, across the entire ecosystem of the digital world, there is these constant conversations now and people discussing forgiveness. Huh, that's kind of funny, kind of amazing, kind of godly, like almost biblical, that the entire world in one way or another now is starting to come to the discussion of forgiveness. It doesn't mean we all agree, But it sure seems that God threw that before all of us to start considering where we sit in our relationship to that principle and what he's asked us to do from the beginning, to forgive, to be forgiven. And again, forgiveness is not justice. Let me continue reading. Sooner or later, everyone sits down to a banquet of consequences. This phrase is absolutely true. If the globally botched pandemic response accomplished one thing, it, has, it was to open many people's eyes to how obsolete and ill-equipped our current institutions are for handling, handling a global crisis in this new decentralized multipolar world. Absolute true statement and the one number one thing that's missing in all of the, these, new, these ways of dealing with it is our trust in Father God and the courts of heaven. Our courts here are supposed to, our justice is supposed to be blind, meaning that it does not go after one person over another. It's supposed to look at things uniformly. And that gift, my personal opinion, though, and I'm not going to get into a, a debate on scholarliness of this, I personally believe that in the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, because we were put under the throne of God, that by de facto, all of our court systems should, by necessity, follow the moral law of the Bible. They don't, but they should. So continuing, while these insular elites believed they had divine right, 
to reimagine every aspect of our lives for some grandiose great reset. It's these uh, scalar, I even know this word, scalarotic, self, it's an interesting word. We'll just put neurotic, self-serving institutions they inhabit who are going to get the get their asses reimagined with vengeance. See, there it is. <laughs> For right here, this writer, justice is vengeance, and he just admitted it. I'm not faulting him, but there is a greater perspective here that's being missed. Because he already stated, stated the divine right. He refers to these elites as having a divine right. Well, of course they think they have a divine right. They worship Lucifer. They're part of the Moloch Ball cult. And they all see themselves as God. Thou shalt do what as thou wilt. That is the principle of Aleister Crowley and the whole Satanist church. They have no accountability to anybody but self and ultimately to their ball, their god, Baller Moloch, who promises them godlihood in this world, and we are nothing but chattel. Truths have been massively revealed if we can let go of our anger and vengeance and see without eyes covered in scales. Here's what, and then he continues, here's what you can do to reclaim your life and take your power back from those who abused it and used their positions against you. And he lists six things. Vote out any politician who imposed lockdowns or vaccine mandates. Regardless of party affiliation, at least the ones who doubled down on them after it became clear how destructive and ineffective they were. That is an absolutely great statement. Even though we know the vote's rigged, nonetheless, the principle's right. Cancel all paid subscriptions to mainstream media. You'd be, you'd better, you're better off supporting the many independent outlets and those doing real journalism and providing high significant content. It shouldn't have taken COVID to figure that one out because the propaganda machine is all funded by us and it should be disposed of by us. Advocate for defunding state-run media apparatuses. NPR in the USA, CBC in Canada, BBC in UK, etc. all. Absolutely, but it shouldn't have taken COVID to figure that one out de your life. Start looking at alternatives to big tech. There are search engines like Duck. Facebook is quickly becoming irrelevant. Twitter may be fun for a while longer given the meltdowns over the must takeover. How about this? How about just step away from social media? Start writing letters, meeting people face-to-face, having accountability in our lives. Don't hire or do business with COVID fanatics. If you're hiring or scouting vendors, check their socials. Were they demonizing lockdown skeptics? Hashtagging free, free dumb, D-U-M-B. Better start scrubbing these timelines, mofos. <laughs> okay. This one, there's some logic in hiring somebody who was not a pro, who is a, of avoiding, if for hiring purposes, pro-vaxxers. And it has, doesn't have anything to do with their neurotic ability, though that is something, because you can argue that there's a judgment issue here and that they need to find Jesus to get some foundation. From a business point of view, I can understand that. From a social point of view, it's the Covidians that need the greatest touch of Jesus. And so I wouldn't be, on a, on a social point of view, avoiding them. Rather, I would be working to engage them because they're going to need something. And God does not want us walking away from people who are going to need Jesus and die without it. And these people, if you want to look at it very simply, God's given us something here we have to consider. If the statistics are correct, as I believe they probably are, there's a timeline now on their lives. And from a sense of justice, patriots, I want you to let this one set in. If what we understand is correct about this injection, there's no correcting the damage. I would like you to tell me what greater justice there is than knowing that your life has a terminal time now of 10 years or less. 
because there were consequences for that action. And while we try to rail at the vengeance, God's already implemented justice. And even if they live past the 10 years, the weight of knowing that this is killing people, that they could have a sudden death, is a transformative moment that is so heavy. It's something they have to live with. Let me add another couple characters to this one. For those that were fathers and mothers that encouraged their children to get the injection, as the truth continues to roll out, that's why we have to pursue truth always. I want you to think about the burden that they carry with, and a burden they carry without a relationship with Jesus to help leaven that burden and seek forgiveness. The burden that they carry knowing that they influenced an injection or mandated an injection in the children that they created and loved just because they forced their children to take the injection doesn't mean they didn't love their children. Many of them did it out of love and fear. They now have to carry that weight of knowing that they may have just given their, their kids a death sentence of 10 years. They need Jesus more than anybody. Finally, buy Bitcoin. Yes, I'm shilling BTC because Bitcoin is a global opt-out. Stacking stats is calling it a whatever. That's just whatever. That's money stuff and I don't really care. It has little to nothing to do with this topic. And he ends with, there will be no pandemic amnesty. More likely, by the time this is over, there will be pandemic tribunals. Yes, there will. And the thing is that our role now has to be, one, to make sure there is accountability, which includes everybody. I said long ago when this thing started, and I'm not bragging, I'm just reminding, I said long ago that by the time this thing is over, we're going to have to have accountability from the most high in the level of banking to the kindergarten teacher in your small town. This thing reaches every level of society. And we're going to have to be reasoned in our justice as we do this. And we're going to have to be prayerful in our justice as we do this. And we're going to have to approach justice without a bias or a hatred in our heart. And the only way we can do that is to forgive. And when we arrive at that point of forgiveness to where we can see clearly without the bias of scales in our eyes, and we're listening to Father God to guide us, which would mean we trust in him not only to deliver justice, but to guide our hand in justice, we've accomplished something profound because we've now taken one of the greatest negatives and we've listened to what I believe are the greater messages and lessons that Father God needed us to hear. Now, one last consideration I want you to think about. And it's Jericho. When we talk about Jericho, we talk about the seven days of walking around the city and the seven times on the seven days and the walls fell. And then we talk about how Joshua leads his army in to slay every man, woman, child, and donkey. But this is what we don't get in that story. And that we know because we know Joshua. Joshua didn't do that because the walls fell and he suddenly felt an inclination to draw his sword and go butcher a bunch of people. He did that because Father God directed him to deliver that justice to Jericho. So when you get in these places and ask and try to tell yourself that Justice doesn't come. I've run into this a lot. God doesn't deliver a hand of justice. It's like we have to wait. Go read Jericho and read how brutal justice can be in this land and how brutal justice can be when Father God directs it in the heart of his warriors and realize that this is where we are, is we have to be listening to God. And the only way we can hear him is to forgive. And as we forgive and we listen to him, the many forms of justice will be delivered. Because 
There is accountability for all things. And in the end, we will all stand before him and be accountable for our lives. And let me tell you, when you take some time, as I've encouraged people to do, to just go through an exercise of your life from as far back as you can remember to today, and you walk that memory with Jesus, and every single bump in the road, you lay before his feet a, a, a request for repentance. It's a very humbling experience when you settle at the end of the day and you look at how much of your life literally was not spent in the pursuit and love of Jesus. We can give ourselves all sorts of illusions we want. If you're going to be truthful at the standard in which God delivers and asks us to love him, there's a whole bunch of our life that isn't spent there. And that's ultimately what we're going to face when we face him. We are now in one of the greatest opportunities. I'd even call it a test that we've ever faced. And every believer is now there. And everyone that doesn't believe is equally there. We have to make a decision. Are we seeking vengeance? Are we using justice as a cover for our vengeance? Or are we truly going to forgive as God has asked us and told us to do so that as we forgive others, we ourselves can be forgiven? Let's pray. Father, tonight is one of these topics. It's not an easy one. Because so much of our world is shaped and our understanding and relationship to the things of justice and forgiveness are shaped by a system that itself is designed to enslave, to entrap, and to exploit. That's the Babylonian architecture under which we live. Father God, as we choose here tonight to humble ourselves before you, we just ask in the depths of this that you can provide us with that wisdom. And that wisdom is going to come the more that we let go and we seek forgiveness. A wisdom that is rooted so deeply in wisdom and the intimacy with you and the intimacy with you only comes from our ability to forgive. For the transgressions we've made, Father, please forgive us. And for the moments of the, of the hearts that are frustrated, please forgive that. Because this has been a very painful walk. And none of this that we've spoken of tonight is easy. And these lessons don't come quickly. And they don't come without some pain. But what we seek more than ever, Father, is your heart and the eyes that you put on this world and this place, to see this as you see this, to give us the understanding of a greater appreciation for what true forgiveness is and what it is to be of a kingdom view and have kingdom authority in this world. None of this is easy for any of us because there's true emotional pain. We have suffered through Expulsions from families, death of friends, harsh and hateful words. And while it's easy for us to speak the platitudes of we are not in this world, we have walked this hollow ground. And it's hurt many times, Father. And we've suffered that pain. So we sit here tonight. And we ask that you can help lift that pain. That you can help give us the eyes to see. That you can help open our hearts to the power of forgiveness and the power of love. And not the corporal love, but the love of heaven. The kingdom love that sees as you see. That sees your children in their different places in this life. Where you give us unlimited love and you never step away. Let us be humbled. And we shall do that humbling by our choice in our heart. And we just ask, Father, here that as we step into these places and we struggle in moments with forgiveness, to please forgive us. But at the same time, we need you now more than ever. 
like children that get lost in a park. We need you now to hold our hand and to guide us through here, to give us the eyes that we need in a new world that has transformed and turned and is continuing to turn as we are freed from a system that we have only known to walk into a walk-in kingdom that we are just now learning. Guide us in these times, Father. Bless us, forgive us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I would just encourage that everybody listening tonight take this to prayer. Patriots, I believe so much in Bard's Nation. Not because we're special, but because I truly believe that those that are here have come here for many reasons, whether it's because you didn't find faith somewhere else in a church or because you were dealing with the difficulties of life or whether you were just drawn here because we talk so many things about faith and the relationship to our world and our life. But my belief in Bard's Nation as a gift is that we are and can be those that truly raise others up, not put others down. That we have the heart and we seek the heart of Jesus. And in so doing, we have to sometimes become bigger than we are. And we do that through prayer. We do that through the asking of Father God to lead us. We do that through repentance and humbling ourselves by our choice before him. We do that through humility in our walk, in our daily life. We do that through loving others, even when it's difficult to love, because God never stops loving us. And we do all of that with a fearlessness of knowing that even when it seems awkward and difficult, that by definition, if we walk by faith, we walk without fear. This is an amazing time to rise. And no one ever said the narrow path was going to be easy. But it stands before us to rise mightily or to drift off into that abyss that no one ever remembers and everyone will ultimately forget your name. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And God always wins. Always. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. And what's being asked of us right now is to be greater than the war because we need to walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, and ultimately subdue. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. Oh, I wanna feel something I just wanna breathe again Dive into the deepest dead Oh